there we go. Hello, everyone. Uh, junior Church, you are dismissed, four years old through fourth grade, to walk up here. Many of you have just noticed that I am not wearing my little sling thing. Um, I'm supposed to wear it when I'm doing stuff or around people. And I've been told by many of you that preaching is at hard work, so I thought I'm not doing anything. I don't need to wear it. And you're all back here where it's safe, so I'm going to try and not wear it today. But you might see me move or wince, or if I raise my right arm, I'll, I'll go in pain, and you'll laugh. So, I didn't mean yet. Wait till I'm in pain. Have you ever noticed some of the greatest things come out of the weirdest locations? Uh, you never think of it as coming out of that place. How many of you heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls? Now, how many of you know how they were found? Okay, I, I love this story. A large collection of manuscripts, some of the best manuscripts that were preserved in all the world, and many of them are being uh, copies of the Old Testament, which date back to the first century. Before that time, the earliest Old Testament manuscripts could be dated back to the 10th century. So that's a, that's a long time in between where a lot of people would say there were discrepancies or changes could have been made. Well, these were found in the mid-1930s. A shepherd boy, he's out looking for his lost sheep, and he starts throwing these rocks into the caves, hoping to scare some of the sheep out if they were in there. And he hears these pottery that uh, breaks. And this valley had lots of these caves, and so after he hears the pottery break, he, he runs in there and he finds these manuscripts, hundreds of jars full of manuscripts, and these became known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Word of God, perfectly preserved, which later found out those 10th century ones were accurately um, prescribed, or not prescribed, but um, ascribed, and they were, they matched. But out of this weird spot, this unknown cave, something great came from. As we continue our, our sermon series, looking at the disciples and seeing what we can learn from their lives, we're going to come to Nathaniel. Nathaniel is not a well-known disciple, so we're going to have to kind of read between the lines of the scriptures to see how his calling to be a disciple can help us have an unwavering faith. So if you would, turn to John 1 and um, if you have your physical Bibles, John 1. If not, you can turn in the version uh, right there in the version app. You'll find all this as well. In John chapter 1, starting in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip, and he said to him, Come, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph of Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. Now Philip, well we're going to look at him in another time, but he comes up to Nathanael. Philip is excited. He is eager. He proclaims, we found the Messiah. We found the one that Moses was talking about. This is Jesus, the son of Joseph. He's from Nazareth. And Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? Now, why would Nathanael be so skeptical? It's because the, um, Nazareth is not considered anything significant. The town is situated in, in a bowl on the top of the Nazareth Ridge of the Jezreel Valley, and you can see here how far it is from Jerusalem. It's an isolated village, and 
um, in the time of Jesus with a population of around 200. It's like St. Joe. This tiny little spot, and you're not going to think of anything monumental. We don't even have a blinking light in our intersection yet. And so why would anything great seems to come out of something so insignificant? And that's what Nathaniel's thinking. There's scarcity in, in Nazareth of natural resources, resources such as water and fertile soil that it's really a place of poverty. There tended to be a fair amount of sickness and disease in, in Nazareth. That's a physical description, but if you look at their faith and everything, it really talks about their spiritual. They were sick and weak. Nazareth isn't mentioned at all in the Old Testament. There's no prophecy linking the Messiah with Galilee, much less Nazareth. It was not known for great minds or great abilities. Nothing special had ever come from Nazareth until Jesus. And here's the first trait we really need to look at with Nathaniel. He is a skeptic. And it's good. Many times we see skepticism as a bad thing. Nathaniel was skeptical. He, he didn't just automatically believe what Philip had told him. Skeptics, in our terminology, are those who hear something but don't believe it. Now, when we think, oh, they're a skeptic, they, they have all these ideas and they're, they're outlandish and they just don't believe anything. That's not a real skeptic. A skeptic is the opposite of a gullible person. Do you know, if you say the word green bean slow enough, you can hear the word gullible. Try that. Some of you still don't get it. Some of you said it in your head. You did. Yeah, we'll see. But we generally think skeptical is a bad thing. They're told a piece of information and the skeptic doesn't automatically believe it. Being a skeptic isn't bad unless you stay a skeptic. Notice what Nathaniel does next. Not only does he share the skeptic, what good could come from that? But then he follows Philip. Skeptical Nathaniel goes into the meeting without expecting anything special from the so-called Messiah. And right here we're going to see the second trait. He may be skeptical, but he's willing to investigate. He doesn't just automatically believe, but he's like, I'll go figure this out. He follows Philip. He doesn't just proclaim nothing good can come from Nazareth. He accepts the invitation from his trusted friend. And then Nathaniel's surprised when he walks up to Jesus. And Jesus says something that blows his world apart. Starting at verse 47. As they approach Jesus... Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How can you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Can you imagine the puzzlement of Nathaniel here? How in the world does this man know me and make this boastful claim about me? How can this guy who comes from Nazareth know anything. Well, we need to go back to what we've learned about God, and that's found in this time period at the Old Testament. Psalm 139 says, 
I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest ocean, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. How far away can we go to get away from God? Nowhere. Not even under a fig tree. How does this man know me? How does this guy from Nazareth know me? Nathaniel's going to start clicking on this information that he knows. Nathaniel asks the question. He hears Jesus' proclamation. He's, how could anything good? And he goes to investigate, and Jesus proclaims something. And even though he was skeptical, Nathaniel was willing to investigate. He asked the question, and this is what we need as Christians today. We need to ask questions. Job asked questions. Do you know he didn't get in trouble for asking questions? So when he started doubting the one who was going to give the answer, but ask the question. We think, well, we can't question God. God, what are you doing here? God, I need your answer here. Give him your questions because he is a God who cares. God was not upset with you. What about Gideon? Gideon asked a question for, for clarification. God, if you want me to do this, I want you to make the ground wet and this fleece dry. Then that, oh, it happened. God, I want to make sure this is you. Make the fleece wet and the ground dry. Talk about questioning God. No, he's questioning his interpretation and making sure it was God. Once these individuals asked the question, they investigate. God gave the answer, and then they acted. They obeyed. They lived their lives in a changed matter. And Nathaniel, how could anything good come from Nazareth? Because that's where God was. Because Jesus is God, just like Philip told him. I don't know about you, but the fact that Jesus can see into my heart, into my mind, is actually sometimes scary. That he knows what I'm thinking. He knows what's going on. Jesus sees all that and so much more. He noticed the smallest details of our lives, but notice what Jesus does with this information. When Nathaniel walked up to Jesus in front of this whole crowd that's around him, Jesus could have said, hey, I know you. You're the person who thought nothing good could come from Nazareth. Well, here I am. He could have said, hey, you skeptical, you doubted me? Come here. Well, sorry to burst your prejudice bubble, but here I am, God in the flesh. Now, don't you feel dumb? Jesus could have said all that, but he didn't do that. Instead, he focused something on something completely different. You see, at the time, Jesus wasn't the only one who was a great person coming out of a strange place. At the time, many people in Israel did not understand what real faith was. Everyone was claiming to have a religion, but it was only religious in name. They offered sacrifices of repentance, but were not willing to change their lives. They came to the temple to worship, but it was a hollow ritual. In public, they were holy. In private, they were ungodly. Circumcision meant they looked like Israelites, but their hearts were far from God. It was strange to find real faith, a true, genuine Israelite in the days of Jesus. They made sure to look the part, but inside they were no different than anyone else. Just like many times Christians are today. But Nathaniel was different. Jesus said, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing 
false. That means as a true Israelite, Nathaniel didn't just read the Word of God, he lived it. He was a man who feared God, a man of integrity. His heart gave a singular testimony of God that I want to follow and obey the real God. And that's why Jesus described him as the one whom nothing is false in him. Now, falseness brings to mind uh, the picture of deception or hypocrisy. You know, if you say Christians are hypocrites, and that's what the world says a lot. Because on Sunday we look our best, we sing the best, and then we go out the world and live like the rest. And that this is, Nathaniel is different. When he spoke to Nathaniel, when, you, when we would speak to Nathaniel, we would get the plain truth. Here is one of the great traits of Nathaniel. He was full of integrity. That's a great compliment. A true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. And this came out of the mouth of the Son of God. But it's not just a huge compliment. It's also a huge encouragement for all the other would-be disciples. I want you to take Jesus' statement to Nathaniel. And could Jesus say this about you or I? If we walked up to Jesus, could he say this phrase to us? Now here is a genuine Christian, a person of complete integrity. When I read that part of Nathaniel, I was like, I, I, I can't be Nathaniel. I don't think God could say that about me. Because he knows my heart. He knows my mind. I can't escape him because he knows my very nature. And I cannot say I am of one of complete integrity, that in me there is nothing false. What about you? Is your life one that is full of integrity of faith? I'm not talking about being perfect. But I do mean that you are being genuine in your faith. Is your daily life, your daily actions filled with integrity? I don't think we have many bank robbers or murderers here. But what about the integrity of our homes? Are we coming on Sunday morning proclaiming faith and then living in sin in our homes? Are we saying we're Christians with our mouth but sinners with our lifestyle? We need Nathaniels in our churches today. We need disciples who are full of of integrity, no matter the cost, no matter who is watching, they are full of integrity because of their love and devotion to God. And thankfully, we don't have to be perfect. Nathaniel wasn't perfect, but he obeyed in love and compassion towards God. And who called him one full of integrity? Not him. Jesus did. He's the one who will proclaim that. And Jesus does not lie. And so if he calls us one of his own, if he says, this is my child, this is one whom there is full of integrity, we better not doubt it. Thankfully, we don't have to be perfect. The reality is that many of the Lord's disciples are found in the strangest disciples. That they can go somewhere and that's where Jesus finds them, in the least of places. And the reason why we can be disciples is because Jesus doesn't focus on what we were. He focuses on what we can become. Peter was just a dumb fisherman. 
He was uneducated. He smelled bad. He worked in the wrong time of the day. He was just a dumb fisherman. And yet he became one of the leaders of the church. Paul was a murderer. He liked to kill people in the church and wanted to get rid of all of them. And he became one of the greatest missionaries in the world. Nathaniel was skeptical. And yet God called him to be a disciple. One that we could follow behind. All those things that I would say can make me not a disciple. Not full of integrity. God focuses on what we can become in Him. Not what I can do on me. Do you know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? The, the wicked will not go to heaven. Do not be deceived by this. Neither the sexually immoral... I think I put the scripture in here twice. Yep. Um, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, who worship idols, commit adultery, are male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, who are thieves, greedy people, drunkards, abusive, or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. We're done, right? But verse 11. Some of you were once like that. But you were cleansed. You were made holy, full of integrity. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. If we continue in sin, continue in doing any of these things here, we will not get into heaven. That's what it says. Doesn't matter how nice you are. Doesn't matter how nicely you dress up. Doesn't matter how many times you come to church. If you indulge in any sexual sin, which means any sin or any sex outside of marriage, and marriage is a man and a woman, anything other than that is a sin and you can't go to heaven. If you worship idols, whether it's a carving, a celebrity, fame, fortune, finances, you will not go to heaven. If you are a thief, if you are greedy, you will not go to heaven. If you are a drunkard, if you are abusive or cheat people, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. It's point blank done. But thankfully, we don't have to be perfect to have be full of integrity because look at verse 11 again. Some of you were once like that. You were cleansed, you were made holy, and you were made right with God by the calling of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. We do not have to stay on that list of not inheriting the kingdom of God. We do not have to live in those ways. Some of you were once like that, past tense, which means God changes us and gives us a new home, an eternal home, just like he did with Nathaniel. Let's go on and look at the next part of Nathaniel here, verse 49. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, teacher, educated one, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Now Jesus investigates him. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I'd seen you under the fig tree? You'll see greater things than this. Then he, Jesus, said, I tell you the truth, you will all, 
you will all see heaven open up and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. These words that Jesus just spoke to Nathaniel are very similar to what Jacob saw in Genesis 28. There G Jacob sees this ladder, stairway, that is up in heaven, and angels are going up and down, carrying out the will of God, the messengers of God. Here Jesus says the definition of this vision. Jesus is saying, I am the stairway by which the will of God enters into the kingdom of man here on earth. I am the vessel in which the will of God is brought to fruition into your life. I am the one who takes you up back into heaven. I am that vessel. You saw a stairway in Genesis. I am the way. That's what he's saying here. Jesus is claiming to be that. And now Nathaniel, full of integrity, this guy who is going to be called a disciple by Jesus, this guy who is sitting under a fig tree, is now going to be one of those messengers that comes from God through Jesus into him to the rest of the world so that more people can come back to Jesus and up to God. That's Nathaniel. And then I started thinking and I looked up pictures about this. On the basis of all that we've heard, I want to invite you to do something. I want to invite all of us to come and sit under the fig tree. In fact, look at this picture. In the days of Jesus, the fig tree symbolized something. That, that's a real fig tree. Look how beautiful it is and, and full of branches and the weird roots and the bark and everything. The fig tree symbolized fruitfulness and spiritual fullness. When Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree, he was pointing out the fact that Nathan was a man who desired to be closer to God. When you were under the fig tree, when you were in contemplation about my word, when you were studying my ways and my will, when you were in meditation, a place where you experienced and expressed into the heart of God, I saw you. Don't you want to be found by God under the fig tree? In your joys, but in your, also in your sorrows whether it's in victories or in failures, in confidence and even doubts, to be under the fig tree meant expressing your relationship with God. And we can all come under the fig tree. With all your faults, with all your sins, with all your doubts and questions, you can still be a disciple. Why? Because the Son of God can look at you and see where you are and not judge you by what we've done, but call you to be something more in Him. I saw you there, but you're going to do and see even greater. Isn't that what we want? I mean, don't you want to have that type of life where Jesus says, that's my disciple, whom I have complete faith in, look at their integrity. I saw you when you were thinking and meditating and studying me, and you're going to see even more. I want to be like Nathaniel. You and I can be a disciple because something great can come out of the weirdest places. Something great can come out of Nazareth. And it was the Son of God. Something great can come out of St. Joe. And it's us. 
when God calls us. The Son of God, because of that, God can bring something great out of each one of us. Are you willing to go and sit under the fig tree until Jesus says, now, let's go? That's what I'd like to invite us to do. We're going to go into a time of prayer and then back into worship. And, and I want to invite us to mentally, emotionally, and spiritually sit in reflection, contemplation, devotion, and study to God under a figurative fig tree where we are waiting for spiritual fulfillment, fulfillment and fullness. But we have to be willing to go sit there. We have to be willing to ask the questions. We have to be willing to go seek and hear from Him. Are you ready to do that? If you'd like to make that decision, we want, you to, we want to invite you to come so we can help you be introduced to Him. Let's stand and let's pray. God, we thank You so much. I thank You that You can see us, that You call us not out of being perfect, but you call us to be into your perfect. That you call us out of a life of immorality. And you give us your righteousness and your purity. Help us all, God, to live like Nathaniel here, to be ones that you would proclaim to the world. Here is my church. My church, which is full of of integrity and nothing false. God, I really ask you to do that within us. Forgive us when we go back to our worldly ways. Remind us to come sit in that fig tree until you call us. Jesus, we praise you and we thank you. And in your name, amen.